Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and learn from each other. And today we have a conversation with Mili Tamati, a chief generalist, tinkerer, a square peg in a round hole, a great adventurer, and just an amazing and inspiring person. So hello, Mili. Oh, I love that introduction. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. That's exactly how I feel about you. And let's start from the beginning. Tell me the story of a pants-free bums photo tradition. Of the what? Pants-free bums photos. Pants-free bums photos? I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I'm asking questions. People are like, oh my God, what, what, are, you what are you talking about? Well, but how far has he dug back? <laughs> basically... Uh, it's, it's you know it's it's always grabs your attention when you see such photos of people with their pants off and showing their white ass. Is this on a boat in Croatia by any chance? Yes. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. I mean that was that was a chapter. That was a chapter of life. Um, so basically, I was uh, working as a tour guide for many years. Um, from about 2014 uh, up until like maybe five or six years later. And in that time, I guided thousands of people on tours across 15 or so different countries. And one of the countries, the one I spent the most time in was Croatia. So we would basically like sail the Dalmatian coast. And uh, it was was pretty, pretty wild. Like I would have pretty large groups of often Australians. I'm, I think I know the picture you're talking about. And from memory, that was a group of just like Australians and probably a few Kiwis sprinkled in there. And yeah, pants down, bums out, like the typical we're in Europe photo. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, have you seen the Euro trip movie? No. Okay. So I, I, I believe you will like it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to check it out. (laughs) Okay. So you live on an isle of Rayasay with a population of 170 people. Do you yeah. know everyone? I know everyone probably by face. Like when you walk around the island in Rayasay, like your your arm is just constantly up because you just you have to wave constantly. And like let's say you go to the community store, you you can never duck in for like a five minute thing you have to allow at least 20 25 minutes to go in and out because you will have to stop and you will have to speak to someone um so the population does increase quite a bit in summer so i would say at the moment like i don't know everyone uh but i have a pretty fairly good knowledge of everyone on the island who is the community builder there <laughs> It's actually a good question. I think I've learned so much about um, building community from living in such a small community. I think there's like a certain kind of almost responsibility that comes with being in a small community, like 170 people. You have to contribute. You have to be the one that's driving like change. And if you want to do something, you just have to like kind of do it. So like, for example, we've got 170 people and I think we have nine or ten different community like boards so like Mm. there's the hall board where we have a lot of like um community owned assets and so basically like everyone more or less sits on a board and there's this like there's a real sense of contribution um volunteering um and 
also just kind of getting stuck in and doing things like we don't have for example we have no police so mm. the island is quite um self-governing in a sense like if there's a problem you just sort it out on the island um and on the other side like if you ever need anything like if i needed something at 3 a.m i know there's probably 20 people who i could call and would pick up the phone oh wow it's 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 a really great way of caring about each other and mm -hmm. so i you know like living in these big cities i don't know that many people to call at 3 a.m and yeah it's the beauty of it and what is your favorite board to sit on uh so i uh i sit on the um i'm in the board of directors for the hall which is actually where i'm calling from right now so the reason i joined that is because i see the I see the community hall as a hub, as a real opportunity, as a place. It's actually the sole place on the island that we can mm. bring people together. So like, for example, happening just downstairs right now is a craft fair. Um, there's like a joke on Raze that basically every event, any event is just full of cake. So um, <laughs> I'm having a late breakfast today, saving myself because I know that as soon as I finish this podcast, as soon as I step downstairs, there's going to be copious amounts of cake. <laughs> What is your favorite cake? <laughs> Sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> Got it. And you know exactly who is creating this cake the best in, in, in this. Yeah. City. Like, for example, there's a woman, Anne, and she, no one else does meringues because Anne does meringues and you can't do You, you cannot beat Anne's meringues. You just don't try. So like, <laughs> yeah, I never actually thought I knew that in detail, but turns out. <laughs> Have you ever tried to do that? Meringues? I mean, beat Anne's meringues. No, I wouldn't. Like the audacity of, you know, Anne is a, Anne is a local. She's been here for decades. Um, You can't just move to Raze and be like, I'm going to create meringues. Like that is how conflict starts. <laughs> Got it. Local power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so diverse, you know, <laughs> it's not that equal. So. And there's no equal opportunity when it comes to Raze meringues. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents. Who are they? Oh, gosh. I don't know if you want to dig into this. Um, <laughs> Up to you. <laughs> I basically, I have no contact with my parents. It's quite a sad story. <laughs> should we go deeper? Should we skip? Well, do you know what? I think it's actually, it's a fair point. And I've been through many years of therapy um, to, get to, to get to this. And I think it's actually when people ask me about my parents and I say, oh, actually, sorry to make this awkward, but like, um, I don't have any contact I actually think it's important to talk about because even though honestly I had a little bit of a crappy upbringing but because of that I left New Zealand and because of that I knew that I had no one else to rely on I had to figure out how to make it on my own I had to figure out um, how to move how to make money how to be happy in an independent adult who wasn't going to repeat the same generational um, patterns and so Even though I've definitely had times where I'm like, oh God, that was really not a great hand that I was dealt. I'm actually okay with it because I think if I had had it easy as a kid, I think if my parents had 
you know, if it was a nice, easy childhood, maybe I wouldn't be where I am. Maybe I wouldn't have lent into being a generalist. I think there's definitely like a link there. And maybe I wouldn't have spent the last year, 12 years traveling. You never know, you know, you never know. And I'm, I'm always like, oh, so if I made this or if my parents made that, what my life would have. And then mm -hmm. like, who cares, you know, because like, <laughs> it uh, is what it is. Unfortunately, or luckily, we don't have a time machine. So like, yeah. and yeah, and I, you know, like, I had this conversation with folks who have like, grow like elderly parents. And it's mm -hmm. always like, mm -hmm. you know, like, they are trying to remember their mistakes in mm. your upbringing mm -hmm. and they are trying to you know i i'm not talking about all this illness and all this stuff it's for sure but also mm -hmm. they are trying to you know, oh my god i was a bad parent and they're mm -hmm. telling it to you and i was like why are you telling it to me like yeah i don't really care about like you know so Exactly. I think it's just like, you know, life isn't always going to be super kind, whether we're talking about parents or upbringing or location or just like bad, like bad stuff happening is kind of just a fact of life. And um, I've come to realize that almost in every case, some of like the most um, funny or successful or like resilient or interesting people I know had like you know, not great stuff happened to them. They had some adversity. Um, so I don't know. I think it, it, uh, it's character building. <laughs> yeah. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so tell me about your, tell me about yourself. What is the first childhood memory that comes to your mind right now? <laughs> I have a, a, first a very early and one of my favorite childhood memories um so i didn't have a, a great kind of start with my parents but what i did have was incredible grandparents uh, my nan and my pa who honestly i credit them for me not going completely off the railway and uh they um they showed me just like endless love and i think i really credit them for everything And one of my earliest memories, I grew up on a farm, like real farm girl in New Zealand. And my pa, my grandfather, he was milking this cow. And it was like back in, you know, the early 90s, he was milking it by hand. And he turned to me and he said, hey, Millie, open your mouth. And I would just do whatever he said. If he said jump, I would say how high. And so I opened my mouth. And he squirted me in the face. I completely did not expect it. I remember the shock with this like fresh, warm um, cow's milk. And mm. I just remember thinking it was the funniest thing ever. And it, it, the memory, I think it was so shocking. It's like, it's like ingrained into me and it's, it's really stuck with me. Well, how do you feel about cow's milk since then? <laughs> That's a good question. I do prefer oat. <laughs> I think I like rebelled when I left New Zealand. I like turned vegetarian. I was like vegetarian for a very, very long time. I've actually only just started eating um, local meat. So we have like mm. a really bad um, deer problem on Raze. Mm. And so recently I've started eating venison 
um, because I couldn't think of a reason not to. I was like, they have lived wonderful lives. They um, are processed locally. There's like no food miles. And man, they are pretty delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that you could just start with this, you know. <laughs> exactly. That's the way my brain works, like going through all the, oh, I, I tend to overanalyze everything. <laughs> the best is the best, you know, the best bio product. So it's like grown up in the wild and yeah. like Yeah. Wild game. Delicious. <laughs> Just a random question. Do you like Matthew McConaughey? Oh, weird. My cousin um sent me his book once. Uh I think it's called Green Light, which gave me a, a an insight. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, do I like him? I don't dislike him. I would say I would be quite indifferent to him. I've enjoyed him in some films, but the book did give me a bit of a deeper insight. I always love that when you read something about someone and you just get to see like a different side of them. Um, so I would say like, yeah, I like Matthew McConaughey. Why? What? what is he, is he coming on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> right now, Matthew McConaughey, welcome. <laughs> Maybe one day, I don't know, but... For now, like what what was this insight you found in this book? Ooh. It was quite a few years ago that I read it. Um I just remember I remember realizing that there were more layers to Matthew McConaughey than being an actor. Um, especially a lot of his acting is in like kind of rom-coms. So you just have this tiny little insight into being like, oh, all right, he's like the rom-com guy. Um, <laughs> but he's like, I think he's quite deep into um, personal growth and reflection and development. And I just was like, wow, there is like, there's a, there's some layers to Matthew McConaughey. I'm I'm asking you because I also read this book and I don't know, you know, I I went to a Ukrainian shop, uh -huh. definitely in Ukraine, and uh -huh. there are mostly books in Ukrainian, and there was like this green light book in English, and oh, I had, really? and our government gave us kind of like bonus for oh yeah being vaccinated, and oh, really? it was like yeah oh. they they like they tried to motivate incentive. people. And if you, oh. yeah, and if you like get vaccinated, you you had like it's not a big amount. It was like I don't know how to fifty dollars or something like that. Okay, but still, you know, you could you could use this money, and not like you could use them to buy food or you know to go to the yeah. cinema, and you could use those money to support kind of like businesses, businesses like and, uh -huh. buy books, yeah. buy go to theaters and all this stuff. And I was like in this bookshop, and I saw this, oh. Green light, Matthew McConaughey in English. I'm I'm buying it. Yeah. And, and the funniest thing that um I thought about it, I was like, he's just sharing his life. Yeah. That's exactly what other people do, but everyone's like reading this book just because of he is a great actor. Mm. Because of he is a famous. And I, I was mm. like, but he's sharing the same story that everyone shares. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, um, a key to gain overnight success or no, key not to become an uh, awesome actor or something yeah. like that. It's, he, he was just talking about his life. And I was like, oh, wow. Is it even possible that people can just talk about their lives? Yeah. Not like, you know, highlighting their career yeah. and all this stuff. It's and I was like, very human. 
And I was like, yeah, okay. Nice yeah. to know. Nice to know. Nice to know that celebrities are also human. You should you should um, send Matthew McConaughey a message and say that you spent your $50 like incentive from the Ukrainian government on his book. And then with a little plug for the podcast and then a little clip here and be like, where are we talking? Matthew, if you're watching, come join <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a great. I, and you know what? I will do it. I will definitely do it. Do I it. believe that you will do it, Yuri, because mm-hmm. you are a doer. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mila. After this words, definitely. <laughs> also, I saw your message that since you was 21, your life mm-hmm. motto has been, if it's going to make a great story, do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what happened at 21? Good question. So 21... I was in New Zealand. I was just finishing up a um, teaching degree. I really don't know why I chose teaching. I think it was just because I didn't know what else to do. And um, I felt a pressure to go to university. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a teacher. And (laughs) three years, um, you know, coming to the end of that degree, I realized that I did not want to spend my life in four walls in a classroom Um, And I just had this burning desire to get out of New Zealand. As I said, a bit of a rough childhood. I was like, you know, the world could be my blank page. I could be whoever I want to be outside of New Zealand. I can start again. And with my man and my pa's blessing um, and strong encouragement, they were like, we love you. Go get out, like get off the farm. Go, go, go. So thank God for them. Um, (laughs) I booked a one-way flight to Berlin and that was the beginning of, I feel like the, the whole adventure of my twenties. And that was where it started. Like I had absolutely no plan. I was a little naive farm girl who I'm not joking, Yuri. I didn't, I remember arriving in Berlin and I didn't know how the doorbells worked. We don't have doorbells where I'm from. Like, it's just like, we don't even really lock the door, you know? Um, and I remember being going to a job interview, being like, I don't know how this bell system works. And I was like, everyone's speaking German. Like, just like <laughs> night, I was really, really young, like a young 21-year-old. And I guess I was like, okay, I don't know much. But what I do know is that good stories often lead to good things. And if yeah. they don't lead to a good thing, they'll lead to a good story. And that's a good thing. Uh, so I started chasing the good stories. And if it was an opportunity that I think, huh, that could be kind of interesting, I would just not think not think too much about it. And I would just say yes. Have you ever thought about writing a book? I have. And in COVID, I actually started drafting one. And do you know what I found is like, I don't love writing about myself, um, which is quite strange because I love writing. I, I I feel really confident writing. It's probably my favorite way of communicating. Um, I love poetry. I write songs. Like I, I, I adore writing as a medium. But when I started writing this like book and I was like, I, I don't know what it is. I think I could write it about someone else quite happily but there was something about sharing my own like really details that um I don't know it didn't quite gel so never say never but um there's a there are stories for a book (laughs) 
Yeah, and you know, I, I, I kind of feel what you are talking about because it's so easy, at least for me, to highlight somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's always that's so much hard to, you know, talk about myself. Yeah. It's, it's, it feels like a little selfish, you know? Like, yeah, or just a little uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. And maybe this is where we um, are attracted to building communities because that's what we do. We're like amplifying others and showcasing others and telling other stories and bringing others together. Um, so it's not like all the focus on us. <laughs> and I know I also, I also, mm, I followed Dwayne's Rock Johnson a little and it was my goal and it's still kind of my goal. It's not like it's gone, but it's somewhere back there yeah. to have, have conversation with him too. Wow. And mm-hmm. I saw his book, like autobiography, but it was written by an author Okay. and I, I know how it works. So basically this person just came to rock okay. and interviewed him uh-huh. and wrote a book. And then it was like, you know, autobiography book by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but uh-huh. literally it was written by another person. And I feel like it's a really good way because, you know, sometimes people cannot like, I don't know, at least many people from the community world I know, mm. they are so humble and they are so like Mm. oh i don't know what to talk about myself even though they are amazing but others know that yeah and i feel like in this moment when somebody like talking to you asking you questions you can be just yourself and sharing your story and it's it's not like you think about what you share you just do it yeah exactly i could actually see you being really good at that i think you're a brilliant um question asker and you make people feel really comfortable and I think um those are two two skills that would be like essential to this kind of role where you're like I can tell your story um I can ask the questions that will tease out um your story and then you can kind of like make it like a collaborative endeavor I feel like you know it will be one more thing that I will do (laughs) first is a message to Matthew McConaughey and second I was really thinking about creating a book out of uh, community life conversations because there are so amazing stories people shared and it's not like I will write a book yeah but it's like I will just share what yeah Yeah. it, it will be collaborative and you know the only one thing I need is time so (laughs) <laughs> the it. only one thing the let only me one know thing. when you find it <laughs> i if i if, if i if i if i knew you know yeah <laughs> if only i knew but yeah let's go back to you and why berlin i have no idea i think i was 21 and googled like cool place to live europe cool and place to live. cool place to live that was also a lot of my strategy um i remember when I was living, so I went from Berlin to Northern Ireland. And I remember my Google search there was get paid, travel, Europe. I was really good, really good at the keywords. And uh, I mean, in both of those searches, they paid off. Both of them led, one led to living in Berlin for 365 days, my full visa. Um, And then the next uh, get paid, travel, Europe led me to moving to Croatia and starting this whole like chapter as a tour guide. I can imagine. What was the funniest story that you had as a tour guide? Except for those what a, 
what kind of rating is this podcast? <laughs> I guess everyone's over 18. Explicit content. Okay. My favorite, I should say, I, I don't know if favorite's a good word to use. One of my favorite stories um, was it was my second tour ever. So I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was completely winging it. It's already a good start. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't know. I had uh, 30 people on this tour. I'd taken them out to this um, bar called Boogie Jungle, which is on a little island called Cortula. And Boogie Jungle is like an open air bar. So you're literally partying like in the jungle. It's super cool. And there was um, this young girl. She was probably like 22, my age, to be fair, back then. And uh, she met a boy on the dance floor and she decided that you know we're we're gonna skip all of the dating we're gonna skip that and we're just gonna go and we're gonna try and try and have sex um up on a cliff edge which Hmm. not advisable it's not you know specifically said explicitly said like do not have sex on a cliff um it's implied and anyway uh they ended up rolling off the cliff and falling about six meters um she fell first and he landed on top of her and uh she broke her back it was pretty like it's it's funny to look back on now because she is 100 percent recovered we have i've met up with her multiple times since um but the fear i was actually back i just arrived back to the boat and i remember getting this phone call being like you need to get to the hospital we're on a tiny island it was a room with four croatian nurses um and i just remember hearing the screaming it was like chaos and i was like okay i'm on my way adrenaline is like kicking in and when i arrived she was if you've ever seen the movie carrie where they pour like the pig's blood on it's it's a it's great like i didn't see but i can imagine she looked like that. She she was drenched. Drenched. She'd split her head open. Um, uh, it was like, it was my first time that I really had to um, be like, there is no playbook here. I just need to figure this out. I need to prioritize this girl's safety. I need to get everyone else calm because as you know, when people are like at a bar and a crisis happens, half of the thing you can do is just keeping everyone calm like and I was like it's fine guys it's everyone leave go I've got this um so yeah rolling off the cliff whilst having sex uh and breaking your back on my second tour that was that was one of them (laughs) you know I can imagine that after this most likely she will never have sex on cliffs (laughs) or Go to every leaf of the world. And you never yeah, know. it might be like be her new thing. But um, I was actually I was obviously in touch with her for for years afterwards, and she ended up meeting up with the boy again, at, like back in this England. Boy, yes, yeah, who okay. broke his nose? She ah. broke her back. He broke his nose. Um, and I was like, please get married. Like that would be the happiest ending to the story. But yeah, there was no no chemistry, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you never know, you know, life life is still going on. So. Yeah, that's true. I'll have to check in again, like, eight years later. Also, you wrote that you became comfortable in your discomfort. Mm. So tell me more about that. 
Yeah, there's been many examples of this. I think over over my career, I think the the trend, the 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 thread that has gone through is that I'm constantly doing things I don't really know how to do, and that can be. And I now realize this is a generalist trait, just being like in this, you know, being really comfortable with ambiguity. Um, so there's been a lot of like, I think in every kind of transition, every like new job, new role, there has been an element of total discomfort because I am new at the skill. Um, I'm learning that skill from scratch. Community building is a great example. You know, two years ago, I didn't have any formal community building experience, um, especially in the digital world. And um, for most of my career, I was doing things in real life, like with people, right? Um, and it was only during COVID that I made that total switch to this like digital world. Um, and although there's a lot of transferable skills, it is very much like it's it's almost like a new world that you have to navigate. Um, so career-wise, I just think that's that's like the rule. That's not the exception. Like building a business, you're constantly just like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I hope this works. <laughs> Can I say that? Because <laughs> that's yeah. the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, if if it were if it would be a lie, most likely not. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> the truth. You can definitely do it. And still, you know, is there anything you still have discomfort? Dis- is that you are not that comfortable? doing about I mean yeah like all the time (laughs) like um I think I is anyone comfortable all the time I feel like um I'm very like I do a lot of like self-work so I've been in therapy um and still in therapy um constantly being like all right what can I do to not even make myself better but know myself better I think we we're not taught how to do that um and that is can be quite an uncomfortable and on the one side it can be really uncomfortable because you it's almost like meeting your true self um but on the other side it's completely liberating because only when you get to actually meet and understand your patterns and your behaviors that you can then actually be like empowered to change them or um, tweak them or whatever it might be. And um, yeah, so I feel like in work, yeah, I mean, discomfort is, especially as a solo founder, um, it's uh, it's it's probably an everyday occurrence. Um, and, but then also in life, like just navigating, like how do you balance all this like relationships plus career, plus like keeping fit, plus like, gardening you know there's like all these plates that you're constantly having to balance and um that can be uncomfortable especially when one of the plates inevitably falls <laughs> have you ever heard about regression mm, tell me it's when you try to discover who you were in your previous lives oh no i haven't <laughs> have you that sounds interesting. Not yet. I've heard a lot, but I feel like it's some kind of hypno- hypnosis and you uh-huh. kind of, you know, there is, there is, I believe in that uh, a person is always reincarnating in another person and mm-hmm. that you have kind of 
eternal soul and okay. it's just keep moving from like one level to another also like learning and uh like we are coming to this world mm-hmm. having usually having some lives lives before mm-hmm. and some people once again i have no ideas if it's true i've never tried it yeah uh, and i don't know if it's good to try it at home you know <laughs> warning <laughs> yes <laughs> but the funny thing is that some people told that they kind of went to this regression stuff and they mm-hmm. kind of um found how they died in previous mm-hmm. lives and who, who they were and how they died so they kind of could understand mm-hmm. what is their past like uh-huh. what they have to work on i think that's interesting i because i i believe that to be true in this life so for example like i believe that you when you're born you are inheriting your parents and your grandparents and their grandpa all of the the traumas the learnings the lessons i believe that um that is true i think thinking about it in a past life context i've never really thought about it like that um but i i don't know like one more level to discover yourself somewhere oh, in the future one more plate to spend <laughs> by the way have you ever counted how many plates do you have oh i'd be afraid to that would be an uncomfortable exercise um <laughs> i reckon it would be a i reckon you could fall most things in life into maybe like five categories like five plates kind of like we all have to work um i would say work relationships uh so whether that's romantic friendships like who is there who's who's supporting you um some kind of like um something that lights you up so that could be your hobbies it could be going to the gym for me it's my newfound gardening um love what else i think mental health i i don't think that's entirely separate from physical but for me i need to look at them almost as two separate things so that it doesn't slip um maybe four plates what would you say you know uh, definitely family mm-hmm. like wife kid dogs mm-hmm. all the stuff <laughs> and i i feel like even though i have just do two dogs and one kid i feel like i have three kids <laughs> <laughs> how old are the dogs Oh, one. Oh, it's a, it's, it's a hard question. You know, I yeah. I I know how old is my son is. He's 11. But He's I 11. feel like Yeah, it's it's almost like like a grown-up man already, but Wow. And uh dogs, mm, it's like I believe that one is 2 years old and uh-huh. another is some somewhere like 5 or 6. Okay. So I I'm bad in there. I don't even know their birthday dates. So I don't think they do either. I I'm a bad parent, you know, for them. <laughs> <laughs> But my wife really knows their birth dates and Yeah, like, that's fine. It's What always like you? how we will celebrate their birthdays I will, I, and I will, we won't. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and we never do it so basically yeah. that's exactly how it is and definitely it's uh i would say it's the first thing is parenting and relationship second yeah. is definitely work and talking to people yeah. third is finding who the hell am i yeah in this world you know and trying to understand like where to move mm-hmm. next yeah 
And the fourth that I would say got recently is afraid of what will happen next. Because, like, you know, I was living in my country for 33 years. Mm-hmm. And then the war started and then I was like, okay. Yeah. Nice. Now what? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. It's an incredible, I can't even imagine, to be honest, what you and your family have been through. It's such a difficult situation to be in. But it, I think it does come back to that, like, what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. Um, and it, it will open doors in ways that, you may have not had if this like if the war hadn't started like you it's just a different like reality of life and you know previously i heard this saying do not have 100 dollars but have 100 friends mm. and i've never i've never taken it personally and mm-hmm. like it's good to have 100 friends and 100 dollars <laughs> but then i was like yeah that's exactly how it works you know mm. as long as you have good people around you as long as you know how to connect with other people yeah you'll be okay in any circumstances yeah so, so true. that's what i'm trying to always say to people like always 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 make friends help people yeah. like create these connections and you'll be good anywhere yeah absolutely <laughs> that's the that's the constant that you can rely on like as long as we're here, there's probably going to be other people here. Um, and honestly, I think that the world is just uncertain. Like from everything from war to um, climate change um, to our governments, there is like, there is so much uncertainty. I think you probably are experiencing that at a higher level than most. Um, but that's kind of the the only guarantee at the moment is that we really, we don't know how the next five 10 20 years are going to roll out so if you can keep that circle of people who you trust who they trust you like that is that is worth um it has a huge inherent value yeah definitely and you know i i, I even not afraid to go like all over the world because yeah. almost everywhere i have some friends yeah yeah so completely is so the best thing for me and talking about gardening <laughs> what is your favorite plant in your garden that's a horrible question yuri that's like being <laughs> like what is your favorite child uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay i will answer it in a way that's going to be cheating and i'll tell you a little story about why it's my favorite so i started reading this book i'm an avid i've been described as a ferocious reader Um, which is accurate. And I was reading this book called Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm. And it's um, basically looks at indigenous um, knowledge about plants, but through a scientific lens. Mm. So good. And there was a chapter one morning, I was reading it Sunday morning in bed with a cup of coffee. And my husband came in and I was crying, like tears (laughs) streaming down my face. And he was like, oh my gosh, like, are you okay? What's happened? And I was like, I just read about the nitrogen and the companion plants. And there was just this chapter called the Three Sisters, which is an Uh ancient growing technique where you basically grow corn, Mm -hmm. squash, um, corn, squash, and beans together. Mm -hmm. So they're like companions, which like, oh my (laughs) gosh, the, the name companion still gets me. And so the corn grows up 
the beans grow around the corn and then the squat the squash keeps um shade on the ground so that like weeds don't grow and then the squash also has something in it i don't can't remember the science but that basically gives the um the beans and the corn extra nitrogen to help them grow bigger faster stronger and i thought that was the most beautiful example of just nature like working together and i also felt a big deep sadness that not everyone knows this and this kind of knowledge we're kind of losing it because no one is not no one so few are now growing their own plants and veg we are now living in often in cities um and it's this knowledge like this that i feel like is taps back into you want to talk about past lives like taps back into that like this is how we have the only reason we've survived right is because we've figured out things like this and that knowledge was passed down and passed down um so that's a long-winded way of saying my favorite thing in my garden is the three sisters um and wow. it's 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 so incredible when it when it started growing i would go into the garden and squeal like i'd be like yeah, it's all growing um wow. it's very exciting it's such an amazing story and you know i i still i still fascinated by how nature works yeah. and i wonder you told uh, once again what is the name of the book braiding sweetgrass got it i i bet i have to read it and also did they found did they find how to do it um like did human do it or mm -hmm. it was okay so they did it yeah so it's been going around for like thousands of years um it's a really it's one of the oldest like growing techniques and uh the thing is we don't really grow like that anymore because now there is so food production is like monocrop right so you're just there's no yeah. corn beans and squash it's like acres and acres of corn um which i can understand because the it's more quote unquote efficient um but like if you look at our garden it's like chaotic like it is nothing is in a line like if anyone has like ocd or wants things in a perfect line they would get quite stressed out um we've got like flowers growing in amongst like the veg there's sunflowers there's strawberries um all growing together and i i just think it's beautiful yeah exactly it's it's exactly you know this perfection in imperfection yes yes and what is the hardest plant to grow hmm this is going to sound weird but like i can't grow carrots <laughs> they they i planted so many succession rows of carrots and we're like two months in and they're like this big like the little i don't know if it's the climate up here because we're very very far north mm. um i don't know if it's a climate i don't know if the seeds weren't good um but the carrots i just can't seem to grow them maybe you are growing just mini carrots <laughs> <laughs> good for hummus like super mini carrots you know super like tiny it's a niche <laughs> Totally. So <laughs> what is your favorite dish made out of the treasures of your garden? Ooh. 
Well, we have courgettes coming out our ears at the moment. I had no idea how um, fruitful courgette and squash would be. So I'm going multiple times a week and harvesting and just giving them away because there's there's too many. Um, but something I did the other day, I made them into courgette fritters. Um, mm. So just like courgette, we had like local duck eggs. So that was like the binding agent. A um, little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, a little bit of paprika. And I think I maybe did some Parmesan cheese in there too. Um, and they were delicious. But honestly, every every food you get from your own garden is like a gift from the gods. It is like, wow. They What I find really interesting is they look nothing like supermarket veg. <laughs> so I'll actually send you a picture of the courgette we grew it was like as long as my arm wow. and then another one was in a big smiley face and they they're super unique but i was like is this how veg is supposed to be is it supposed to look unique and not like think about when you're in a supermarket everything is identical is that how it's supposed to be i don't know most likely not yeah nature as you said the the perfection is in the imperfection i can i can compare it to people you know when you go mm -hmm. to some corporate office you kind of see the same people at least sure. previously i feel like yeah. now it's changing because all yeah. this understanding of everyone's personality and mm -hmm. empowering all the stuff but i believe like previously it was like the i i believe it's still like that in some organizations but people are also different and it's fun that you know we've been taught to act the mm -hmm. same mm -hmm. and still we are taught to act the same mm -hmm. in most schools and you know universities yeah. all the stuff yeah and i wonder i wonder what if everyone was would just do what they really love doing mm -hmm. but you know i feel like it's <laughs> I just, I just don't believe in the world like this. <laughs> it's a societal shift to get to that, right? It's a, a systematic. That's not something that happens um, overnight. That's something that has to change in our education, change in our policy, change in um, the way that we work. But I think, I don't know, I'm an eternal optimist that <laughs> I think change does start with us and even it like i think it's super depressing when i'm like i can see all of these problems that i would love to change um and it feels overwhelming and it feels like there's no hope if you think of it on a large scale but you're like you know what i can do i can grow a courgette and yeah. that i can give that courgette to someone and i can make their day because it's a hilarious shaped courgette and that's a like it's like a micro action it's not even a, a blip in the scheme of the world and life and past lives um but it's something and i think wherever we can if we can take agency and take control and autonomy over the things that we can do i mean that's the only way i have hope <laughs> I but you know i feel I, I it sounds for me like a butterfly effect because you know people are always talking yeah. about like what we hear that somebody made like millions of donations, somebody mm -hmm. saved like thousands of people, but nobody ever talks about somebody just shared a crochet, like in, it looks like a smile with 
somebody else and like made they they like one of the best days of their yeah. lives and yeah. that's exactly why that person did that and yeah. you never you that never is. know like how it all connected yeah but i believe that if think about that you can just go out of your mind <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i think yeah do do what you can without um without being consumed by it right like just do do what you can and it's always nice to hear feedback you know mm. because i can imagine somebody like, like two years five years later like messaging remember that day yeah that's when my journey started yeah oh, so powerful very true <laughs> yeah and yeah i i just love those moments yeah so after the community rebellion conference yeah you wrote that you ticked this one of the bucket list yeah what is the next item on your bucket list Ooh, ooh, good one um it's actually it's actually quite a, a scary one because it's something that i haven't done before shock um so I have just um, agreed to a partnership um, with the London School of Economics. Um, mm -hmm. So they had basically approached me. They are creating the schools program for year 12 students um, to teach them about what are the skills that these 17-year-olds are going to need to be successful in the future because those skills aren't the same as they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And when they saw what we were doing at Generalist World, mm -hmm. they were like, huh, hmm. these are the kind of skills, adaptability, problem solving, critical thinking, big picture thinking, being, being able to pivot and reinvent yourself. They were like, can you teach that? Can you package this and teach it? And of course I said, yeah, yeah of course. Sure. Can um, and I I very lucky that I've brought someone um, from the community in to do it with me. She is a incredible generalist. She's a neuroscientist by trade, um, turned into an ed tech entrepreneur, turned into a product leader. Her name's Erica. So we've teamed up and we're going to be creating. We're spending next week on it workshops for year twelve for like school students um, and. The very outside of my comfort zone because a lot of what I've been doing is being like tech and community building and very digital. So I'm kind of going um, into this school and school slash academic environment because it's a partnership with LSE. Um, so that is a that will be a pretty incredible thing to be able to present we've got three days over the next um between september and november that will be presenting these workshops and i think that could potentially lead to this whole new other avenue of um of educating the upcoming generation um about these kind of like, like a generalist approach to life have you ever thought about working with kids before <laughs> Well, I did study it for three years. It's But. quite funny. My my husband reminded me of that the other day. He was like, you've kind of come full circle. And I was like, wow, I hadn't realized that. But you're right. Um, my degree was in primary school. So it was younger children. But I think, you know, the um, the essence is the same. And I think to your 
to what we were speaking about earlier about like being the change you want to see in the world it's like really hard to change systems and organizations and corporations today i think i'm much more hopeful about being able to impact and influence 17 year olds who are going to go and launch their own companies yeah. they are going to be the ceos they are going to be the ones going into parliament and government and um i think it's not a guarantee but i'm hopeful that by connecting with these like this younger generation that it's more of like the long game and that's exactly what nobody teaches in school mm-hmm. because they always teach you about like mathematics mm-hmm. and languages and all the stuff but yeah. and they they even try to teach business yeah but once again you know unless you try how can you ever even know how to do it yeah like our workshop the thing where where we haven't fully created it yet but the kind of theme is going to be like your job does not exist yet and that's true like most of the jobs that these kids that your son will be going into probably don't exist in the way that we understand them so it's not enough to just be saying you're going to become x it's like well the future is uncertain we don't know exactly what skills are going to be in demand what strengths are going to be in demand so we need to teach kids how to be able to figure it out how to be able to problem solve um and how to be able to pivot and reinvent themselves when things will inevitably go wrong <laughs> you know i hear so many times the word adaptability mhm you ran mm-hmm. like last two years and i yeah. feel like that's yeah you we, you never know what might happen next but if yeah. you're ready you're yeah. ready totally how did you meet tommy how did i meet tommy um So I was living out in um Bali for a bit. I was building creating like a tour out there um for one of the tour companies I was working with and I was living in this really um sweet house with like I think it might have been like 9 or 10 of us there. It was like a huge house and I was actually one of the people living there was his cousin. And so I was really good pals with his his cousin and Tom had come out to visit uh to visit his cousin and Yeah, we headed off and ended up moving to Australia together. He's Irish, so ended up moving to Ireland and now moving to Rase together. How did you know that he's your kind of guy? I remember saying to my boss at the time that Tom was the funniest person I'd ever met. Um, which counts for something. <laughs> Is there a story behind his yellow rubber boots? <laughs> you have done your research so if if you were to come to raze and if you were to go to the distillery that's just the boots they wear the distillery all wears these really bright maybe it's for safety i don't think it's for street cred so it's probably for safety somehow um but they all have these yellow yellow gum boots <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great story you know and i'm asking not just for ask i i really wish to have those rubber boots too. yeah maybe <laughs> we can we can link them in the show notes <laughs> it's just is they're just amazing and also you shared that once you rescued a forgotten bathtub built it onto bricks lighted up a fire underneath it and basin in your front garden so give yes. me one more example of how you unusually used 
at first sight, usual things. Oh, the bathtub is a good one. We, yeah, we rescued that from the side of the road and turned that into a bathtub. I would say the other one, um, it's kind of similar, is I made a pond. So I was listening to this podcast about like biodiversity loss. Again, depressing, depressing, depressing. But my optimistic <laughs> side was like, what can I do that can, uh, can, help this and so my first idea was to get you know those like little paddling pools that mm -hmm. children use yeah um so originally i was going to use one of them but uh, i didn't have one so uh and we live on this island no one had one i actually did post it on our group page and so the alternative to that was just to dig a hole and so i spent an entire weekend um digging a hole into our garden um lining it with um this uh, plastic that was being thrown out at the our local walled garden. Um, although when I started doing it, I realized there was quite a few holes in the plastic. So I had to like tape them up with duct tape. Um, <laughs> and now we have this beautiful pond where so many um, insects and like wildlife has moved in. It's very cool. Do you have any frogs there? Um this was a whole ethical debate in my mind because there was frog spawn like all over the island but i really wanted to move it into the pond so that they would know they can come in but most of the advice online was that you shouldn't move the frog spawn uh because a my at the time my pond my pond uh it was new so it wasn't like properly mm -hmm. oxygenated and now i've got like plants in there that i I did take from another pond. Um, so now I think that I, I'm hoping that I might have missed it this year, but next year um, the frogs will know they can come and hang out. Any, they're very welcome. You can do some advertisement. Yeah. Frogs are welcome. <laughs> frogs welcome here. <laughs> I can imagine you should, you know, create this road uh, with insects lying on the road. Yes. Like, like so they can just eat, eat. Yeah, eat. yeah, like gingerbread crumbs. Like, come on in. Yeah, and they're like just mm. you know the whole the whole pond for them. Like, VIP yeah, pond. The frogs take over. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice. I will definitely follow up you on that next year. Please do. <laughs> and how do you become friends with people? Hmm. Ooh, good question. I think I, I don't know. I think you can learn it, but I think for some, um, it comes quite naturally. I think for me, um, having good relationships was a, was a necessity because I didn't have this, like the parents to kind of lean on. Um, so I knew that like, it was in my best interest to be really good at, um, making friends and having these relationships. Cause I'm like, Oh, survival. Um, so I think it kind of stems from that. And then through my 20s at becoming a tour guide, I just had a lot of practice, a lot and a lot of practice of like every new week, there'd be a new tour and there'd be 30 new people to become friends with. So that was six years of practicing. Um, and now I think I've gone to the other side of the spectrum where um, I'm actually really happy with a smaller group that I know deeper so I kind of had my 20s where I was like friends with everyone and all the friends and now I'm like oh I really like small talk is kind of not so much for me anymore I find it um 
a bit sad almost, like a, a bit empty. It makes me feel a bit empty. Um, I'd much prefer to have people around me, um, less people around me, but where we can just like actually just dig in. Like this conversation is a great example. There is, um, there's a depth to it. And I think um, I crave that in my friends at like at this stage of life. And I also believe that uh, what you are talking about by saying friends, that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is. It's not like having a quick conversation because mm -hmm. those are just, it's, it's, it's not the right word to say, but audience kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I believe that friends, it's those who are really talking to who, and even those who you can call, I don't know, one year later, even if you didn't have conversation for one year, you yeah. can just continue from the moment you stopped, you know. I think it's also about modeling it. So like if you, how do you, how do you make friends? I think by being good friend, like if you can be that person, um, then people will probably not always, but probably return that same like respect and love. And the hardest question is how to be a good friend. You know? yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh. Hmm. We'll leave it up to everyone to think yeah. about it themselves. Yeah, because I believe I believe that there is no one answer, definitely. And you know, I also even believe that what might be a great a great advice for somebody won't work for yeah, others. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I really, really wish to have the sky's limit our conversation, and I have so many questions to ask, <laughs> but time is a limit. Yeah. <laughs> so let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. Sea or mountains? Sea. Whiskey in winter or wine in summer? Wine in summer. What are your favorite color and song? Favorite color is yellow. Favorite song? Um, can I just do like a favorite artist is... Ginobi, he's like a um, Portuguese DJ and I had the greatest night of my life um, just came across him and uh, if I'm ever down I can just play some Ginobi and I feel fantastic so um, that's cheating but all of Ginobi stuff <laughs> and welcome to the yellow color team because usually Yay. it's it's just statistics but usually Are you yellow too? yes Heck yeah. But usually yeah. it's green and blue. Really? We are talking to community people. It's green and blue. So welcome to the yellow team. Interesting. <laughs> there could be some studies done around this. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe one day. <laughs> if you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? Um, it's... I've thought about this and I always get stuck and I can't decide between um, being able to speak every language in the world or being able to speak to every animal or insect or bee in the world. Cause I, and I, I can never fully decide which one I would like more. I, I think maybe the people, I think I would maybe go the language, but you know, technically Animals also have languages. They do. Oh, my gosh. Do you know who we just had staying with us? Um, so we host, uh, we use the website Warm Showers, which is like for basically like couch surfing for cyclists. And we just had a couple of people staying with us last week. And one of the women 
she's a neuroscientist who studies the bird the, the brains of birds wow. to better understand language in humans because it's the same part of the brain you should have seen our dinner conversation we should have you would have loved it we should have dialed you in for that we had her and the other guy was an astrophysicist so he studied like the physics of space oh my god i i you know i can't even imagine what kind of conversation did you have deep but i feel like deep <laughs> It was lucky amazing. Yeah, me. very lucky. Totally. Tell me just, just tell me just a little more about connection of birds brain to human brains. Um okay, I will try. Um so the yeah, the the part of the brain that birds use and the part of the brain that humans use to process language is the same part and I'm not sure exactly why it's easier to understand it in birds, maybe the brain mm. is smaller. Yeah. Um but they're really interested in studying it. So um, especially if someone has like neurodiversity or like language problems, language like um, obstacles and challenges, they believe that the answer could be more easily found potentially in the brains of these birds. Um, So she studies this one particular type of bird. It was a something finch and spends all her day studying their brain. It's amazing. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that. It's wow. Great. And who do you learn from in the community world? Name just one person. Oh, that's so hard. Because instantly just then my name, my brain would like it's my just just first. Okay. Um Okay, the first is Rosie Sherry. Rosie was the one I first came across. She has been my like Bible of knowledge. Um, but I'm going to sneak in because she needs to be plugged. Um, Etcher, who was the first person I hired for Generalist World. Um, she And I learn from her every day. She is just a, a natural community builder. And I'm so grateful that I got to have her work as a part of the team. So Rosie was my original. And then Etcher is my like every day. Can you imagine? Rosie was my guide to international community world too. Uh-huh. And uh, Rosalind was the first email uh, I ever signed up. And that's wow. how I found CMX and other communities. And Amazing. also, uh, it was the first community-related conversation I ever had with English-speaking person. It was wow. Rosie Sherry. Wow. So, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised. Rosie is a wealth of knowledge and she's so generous in sharing that knowledge which is like the epitome of a community builder um yeah and name two people who i should definitely invite to have this conversation etcher number one um and i think that another interesting one someone in our community actually i met i met her at a community rebellion her name's nicola um, Nicola Earl, maybe you met her too. Mm, not sure, yeah. but um, she's now part of Generalist World, and she's doing some really interesting things. Um, she's actually, I believe, just launching a local community initiative. Uh, I just saw it actually today. She went live, so that could be really interesting to have her on too. Definitely. And is there one question that I should have asked you but didn't? Ooh. I think you asked incredible questions, Yuri. I think this is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Um, so no, I think I don't think there is anything. There's 
Are there more we is there more we could talk about? Yes, but the time is the limit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, you know, it's it's always it's always so hard, but you know, I'm I'm always I'm always preparing for the volume too. Yeah. So one day we'll definitely do it and just get ready for this. Yeah. And yes, Milia, <laughs> thank you very much for this amazing conversation. And you know, like my history, how I how I found about you, like definitely first of all, I've heard about you on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I read some posts and mm-hmm. I liked them very much, and other people were talking about you. And then we finally met in this real life, in, in yeah. real life. <laughs> and I don't know, but I yeah, definitely I know. I learned so much from you, and yeah. I'm just, you know. I had I had previous communal life conversation with Peter Wonderwooder mm-hmm. and he told that he told that Mili is an amazing person. I was like, yeah, sure. And <laughs> it's so it's so great to learn from your experience. And you have such an amazing experience and always and also such fun experience. So <laughs> that's exactly what you told in the beginning, you know, about stories. And I just yeah. love how you share your story, the story of your life and what everything what happens with you and all you all what you are doing. And you know, I feel like I'm getting closer to join generalists world. <laughs> so just just few more points. Just few, yeah. just few more touch points. And <laughs> well, you're welcome anytime. And thank you so much. This has been really, really, really fun. And it's been yeah, awesome. See you in the community world. Sounds great. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friends. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.